continuing to look at some of the parables of Jesus that are recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke. I read now from Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1 and continuing all the way through the chapter. Luke 15, verses 1 through 32. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him, near Jesus, that is, to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them, and not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. 
And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Father, may the lost be found among us. And may we be able to join you in the rejoicing. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Pharisees and the scribes are put out up in verse 2, aren't they? Can you believe the sorts of people that this Jesus, a religious teacher no less, is so often seen with? This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus speaks to them of a lost sheep and of a lost coin and of a lost son, all to say to them, these people on whom you look down, these people whom you can't believe I receive and give time to, the Heavenly Father loves such people. And he seeks them out like you would seek a sheep that you lost, like a woman would search for a lost coin. And the Heavenly Father receives and rejoices over them when they're found, when they return home, when they repent. Three marvelous parables here in Luke 15 that Jesus tells which speak of the Heavenly Father's heart toward sinners, toward those who have strayed, toward those who are lost. And which also, these parables, they also rebuke the lack of heart for these people in the bosom of these Pharisees and scribes and in the bosoms of those who are like them. And the third of these parables has an act too, doesn't it? The third of these parables here in the final eight verses of this chapter has an additional part to it that drives Jesus' rebuke even further home. The prodigal son in the third of these parables has come to his senses and he has returned to his father and he has been warmly received and a grand party has begun. And in act two, along comes the prodigal's older brother. He's been out in the field, verse 25, and he hasn't, verse 26, he hasn't heard the news yet about his brother And as he gets near to the house, he hears musical instruments playing, verse 25, and there are people dancing jigs, and maybe he uh, has the smell of brisket begin to seep into his nostrils as he draws near the house. And so he calls over one of the servants in verse 26, and he says, what did I miss? There's quite a shindig going on in there. What's the occasion? And so the servant fills him in in verse 27 about his brother having returned home and his father's gladness over him and the fattened calf. And the older brother is ticked off in verse 28 when he hears all of this. My kid brother goes off and blows dad's estate, verse 30, on hookers, And all the while, I've been right here by my father's side, working for him, obedient to him, and he gets the fattened calf, and I've never gotten anything like this. And he won't go in, verse 28. We should perhaps picture him with his arms crossed, 
sitting a little ways off from the house, pouting, maybe staring angrily at the house or maybe with his back turned, pouting. And his father comes out, verse 28, and begins pleading with him, pleading with him presumably to let his heart rejoice that his brother has come home and to come inside and to join in the celebration. But the elder brother airs his grievances in verses 29 and 30 about his service and his brother's sin, about the fattened calf being killed for his brother and his never receiving a young goat so that he might celebrate with his friends. And then the father explains his thinking and his heart to him in verses 31 and 32. Son, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. And Jesus is saying here in Act 2 of this parable, I'm looking at you, Pharisees and scribes. I'm painting your portraits here. This is what you look like, he's saying to them, and what you are like. This older brother refuses to rejoice with his father in his prodigal brother's return, just like you Pharisees and scribes, verse 2, refuse to rejoice in my ministry to the prodigals all around you. Here you are, he's saying to them, grumbling that I receive sinners and eat with them, and you look just like the older brother in my story, pouting outside, refusing to be glad that this father received his sinful brother and killed the fattened calf for him. For Jesus is saying to them, here are these wayward prodigals coming near me, verse 1, to listen to me and coming back to the Father in repentance, just like the prodigal in my story, and you are put out that I receive them, just like the older brother in this tale. These men... To whom Jesus is speaking, these Pharisees and scribes, their hearts are hard towards people for whom God's heart is tender. And in this second part of Jesus' parable, he puts his finger on that hardness and he puts his finger on the roots of the hardness, doesn't he? The elder brother in this story believes that his father's rejoicing ought to be earned, He believes that his father's celebration ought to be deserved by his sons. He's angry because while his brother has been an absolute bum, he himself has been a faithful son, and yet it's his brother who's getting the party. It's his brother who's being rejoiced over. And it's not right in his mind because this boy hasn't earned it, but I have. He won't come in, he won't rejoice, he's angry because he thinks that such rejoicing as his brother is receiving ought to be earned. And because his brother is getting what he hasn't earned, and he's not getting what he feels he himself has. And his anger is also rooted in the fact that he doesn't get what his father explains to him in verses 31 and 32, and what Jesus is teaching in all three of these parables in Luke 15, he doesn't get that the reason for the celebration is because something valuable has been recovered. Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. 
But, verse 32, that's not been the case with your brother. We had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead. You weren't dead. You weren't lost. But he was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. That's why we're celebrating. Because something valuable has been recovered. The father throws a party for the younger son, not because his older son is not valuable to him. After all, all that is mine is yours, he tells him. He is valuable to him. But the father here throws a party for the younger son, not because the older son is not valuable to him, but because the other son, who is valuable to him as well, has been astray and has come back, has been lost and has been found. And you celebrate, Jesus is saying with all these parables, you celebrate when something valuable has been recovered, right? But you see, the elder brother, and this is what Jesus is putting his finger on as well, the elder brother doesn't see his brother as valuable. Just like Jesus is saying here, just like you Pharisees and scribes don't see sinners to be valuable either. Verse 2. Because, Jesus says to them, like this elder brother, you Pharisees and scribes think that the father's valuation of a person is based on merit. That the father's love for a person is something that is earned. But what I'm telling you through this parable, Jesus is saying, is that God values his own, that God loves his own because they are his own. Not because they've been good. Not because they've earned it. Now, Jesus is not saying that obedience is unimportant, that being faithful to God is unimportant. He's not saying that a person who is faithful brings no more pleasure to God than the person who is astray. But what he is saying with this marvelous story in verses 11 through 32, what he is saying is that a person's faithfulness or lack thereof is not what makes them valuable in God's sight, is not what makes God love them. Jesus is teaching us here that God values people, that God loves people because they are his, just like the father loves and values his prodigal son in spite of all the son's sins, because the son is his. He's his own. But the Pharisees and scribes don't get this. They thought instead that God's valuation and therefore his celebration of a person ought to be commensurate with how well that person deserved it, with how faithful they had been. And therefore, not seeing eye to eye with God on this matter, they were irritated, like the older brother in this story, that the sinners around them were being so well received by this Jesus. This man receives sinners and eats with them. And Jesus, notice, Jesus has the father in this story pleading with his older son in verse 28. Pleading with him, presumably, to let his heart rejoice that his brother has come home. And to come inside and to join the celebration. And Jesus inserts this pleading into the story to say to these scribes and Pharisees, that is what both I and the Heavenly Father are doing with you, Pharisees and scribes. Through these parables that I am giving you, I and my Father are pleading with you to let your heart be changed. To begin valuing as 
I and my father value and to join the father in rejoicing over prodigals who are coming home. The father in this story, notice, has a heart for both of his sons. He is ecstatic to see the prodigal son come home and he longs for the other son to be able to join in the rejoicing. And such is the heavenly father. He has a heart for Pharisees and prodigals. He rejoices over sinners who repent, over prodigals who come home, and he also has a heart for those who are not rejoicing with him, for those whose hearts are hard toward sinners. And he wants this second group, Jesus is saying with this parable, he wants this second group to understand why he values people. He wants the Pharisees and the scribes and those who are like them to understand why he loves people. Namely, not because of their performance, not because they are good, not because they deserve it or have earned it, but because they are his. God loves people because they are his. And oh, how important it is that we too learn the lessons that Jesus is teaching to these Pharisees and scribes. Because we may sometimes forget that God values people, that God loves people, not because they deserve it, not because they have earned it, not because of how much they've served him or how well they are obedient to him, but that God loves people because they're his. We believers may sometimes forget that. While we've been serving and obeying God faithfully, something like the older brother in this story. And while our faithfulness certainly brings God more pleasure than when someone is unfaithful, yet we may forget that it is not because of our faithfulness that God loves us, that God values us, but rather simply because we are His. And that just because someone is unfaithful, doesn't mean that God doesn't value them, that God doesn't love them. We've simply got to remember and believe and embrace the fact that God values people, that God loves people, not because they deserve it, not because they've earned it, but because they are His. That's one of the great lessons of this parable. And if we will do so, if we will remember, and if we will believe, and if we will embrace this reality, then we will come to value people, we will come to love people as the Father loves them. And we will be able to rejoice with Him when sinners repent, when prodigals come home. We won't find ourselves in the position of this brother sitting outside, pouting on the bench. So, let me ask you, how are you doing in this regard? How are you doing with remembering and believing and embracing the way that God values people? The reason that the Father loves people. How are you doing yourself with valuing people as the Lord values them? Now, it may be that some of us are deeply pharisaical. It may be that some of us have a hard time valuing or seeing how God could value anyone who's a straying sheep, anyone who's a prodigal. And if that's you, may your heart be broken today 
as you consider the ugliness of this elder brother and the beauty of the father's love here in this parable. But I wonder, too, if some of us, more likely, while we may not have an elder brother attitude towards sinners across the board, toward prodigals across the board, lost people in general, I wonder if some of us perhaps might have an elder brother mentality towards certain kinds of prodigals, towards certain kinds of sinners. We might be able to rejoice with God if some of our neighbors who don't go to church and who don't know the Lord and who have their issues but who aren't too far afield, we think, we might be able to rejoice if some of them came to know the Lord and started attending our church and praise God for that. But what about the homosexuals? What about the abortion doctors? What about someone who is a convicted child molester? What about a transsexual or a drug addict or a drug dealer? Would we rejoice to see our fellow Christians, verse 2, receiving such people and eating with them? And would we be able to rejoice if people whom we are standoffish about by nature, would we, by a new nature be able to rejoice if such people should come to their senses and turn to God in Christ and be received by Him and have a big baptism party thrown for them here at Pleasant Ridge Baptist Church. I think most of us would, praise God. I'm thankful to be a part of a church where I don't think this lesson needs to be hammered home again and again. But let us beware the possibility that we could be bitter, that we could be pharisaical, that we could think to ourselves, for so many years I have been serving God and I've been fairly obedient as a son or a daughter and here's this person who's done such evil and, and she's getting a party, he's getting a clam bake. I'm not going. I'll stay outside, I'll stay home. Let us beware of such a heart. Let us remember that while our years of faithfulness, some of us, surely are more pleasing to God than someone's years of unfaithfulness, yet they do not make us more valuable in His sight. They do not earn His love. He loves us. And He loves the prodigal, not because of our faithfulness, but because he is a father who loves his own. And let us remember, too, that we weren't always faithful ourselves, were we? We were prodigals, too, before God met us in Christ and brought us to our senses and moved us to come to him, repenting of our sins and trusting in the shed blood of his son to save us from them. If God had valued us, based on merit, based on what we deserved, based on our faithfulness, he'd have never let us come to him, would he? But he didn't value us in that respect. He didn't love us based on our merits. He loved us while we were yet sinners. And so he loves sinners all around us. And thus, when he brings them home, he will rejoice over them. And if we embrace and have his heart, 
we will rejoice over them as well. We will join in the celebration and eat the fattened calf. And again, let me say, though Jesus warns us regarding these matters in this passage, and we need to hear his warning, I believe that most of you, perhaps all of you, would be in the house eating steak, dancing a jig, or at least tapping your feet to the music, rather than pouting outside with the older brother. May it ever be that way. All that is the Father's is yours, verse 31, if you're a believer in Jesus. But we have to celebrate and rejoice when a brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Pray that we will have the Father's heart in this, that you will have the Father's heart in this, and pray that out of this sermon and out of our outreach this evening, we might have reason to put it into practice. We might have reason to join our Father in his rejoicing because someone will turn to him in repentance and in faith. And let me close with this today. If you are the prodigal, if you are the lost son or daughter, if you are the sinner today who has never come to the Heavenly Father repenting of your sins and trusting in Jesus to save you, and some of you are, if that is you, I urge you today to hear yourself and to believe and to embrace for yourself the fact that God loves people not because they deserve it, but because they are His And thus that he welcomes prodigals and that he will welcome you if you will repent of your sins and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. The one who comes to me, Jesus said in John 6, I will certainly not cast out. And he's saying to you in this parable this morning that the one who comes to him, his father will celebrate. We had to celebrate and rejoice For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. And oh, may God give us reason over you, dear lost sinner. May God give us reason over you for music and for dancing and for eating the fattened calf, for joining the Father in rejoicing over a prodigal come home. He got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found.